0: Let's talk about the origin story of how you got started in this. Um, where did you grow up? And then how did you migrate into business? I imagine Toehold wasn't the first
1: story out the gate. No, it's, it, it's, it's a weird story on how it started. Um, but the, the origin was, I'm from San Diego originally. We're based in Las Vegas now, but grew up in San Diego. I was up in the hills on a hike with my dad. And we were like four miles back on Palomar Mountain, and Mm. my flip flop, the thong, pulled out. It broke. Yeah, like so many people have experienced before. Yeah, and we were like four miles back to camp, and it's um, it's pretty rough terrain. Something you don't want to walk on barefoot. Mm. So I kind of had to do like hodgepodge them together, and wound up getting back to camp and thinking like, I need a pair of flip flops because that's all we ever wear. Yeah, that's all we ever grew up with. Uh, Even to this day, it's I'll put shoes on if I go to a nice dinner sometimes. Yeah, and but that's really it. Yeah. Um, but at the time I was a contractor, um, I was a civilian contractor for the Marine Corps and I was headed over to Okinawa and mm-hmm. while we were in the jungle, we came across like this leather worker who's making bags. And if anyone knows like anything that Japanese do, they're just artisans at what they do. They really focus on extreme details and becoming high level craftsmen, at whatever it is oh, they're yeah. doing masters masters. Yeah. yeah. And I talked to the guy and I said, can you make me a pair of flip flops? He was doing bags and wallets and things like that. And they're mm-hmm. real beautiful stuff. And I had kind of an idea in my head, never been a creative guy, never been an artist, No zero about music or painting or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of had this little idea and we worked together. And I came up with like a rough, a, a rough version. Mm-hmm. And I wore them and I liked them a lot and they were, they were pretty good. I kept thinking like I could do something better, I could do something better. So I kept going back to him doing variations um, and then when I left Okinawa, came back to the States, those lasted me for years. Mm. And then eventually they wore out and I reached out to a lot of different leather workers asking, hey, can you, re- can you re- remake these? Mm. And some guys could do the leather portion, but they didn't understand like the tread part or the, the, the cobbler part, the shoe mm. part, if yeah. you will. And it's really just two different worlds They got to a point to where I went to saddle makers. I went to guys who made gun holsters, guys who made super like nice bags, everything, and nobody can, nobody had any idea. Mm -hmm. So then years went by and then eventually I was tired of just having shitty flip-flops and I just wanted to do it myself. I just wanted to try it. Mm -hmm. So I took a few bucks and I went to the leather store and I'm like, Hey, what's, which one's leather? You know, and Mm -hmm. most people have zero understanding of leather. Yeah. You know, especially what I know now it's, it's what's the difference between your sofa, a baseball glove, uh, a saddle on a horse, a gun holster, a, seats in a Ferrari? Like, what's the difference? Yeah. The most shoes. of it's pleather, right? Most of it's not real. Most of it is, yeah. yeah. Most of it's not even low-grade leather. It's just synthetics, mm. and a lot of that came from Nike in the sev- Nike's in the '70s when mm. they started producing shoes. It's expensive to use leather. You got to be skilled, and it's a it's a costly item. So let's just use a big sheet of fabric where we could get a hundred percent yield out of it. Hmm. And, um, that's kind of like why people went away from wood. Like this is a nice, beautiful wood desk, but most people would see wood and they would know particle board or something from Ikea. And it's kind of like that with leather is, is there's a, there's a giant, um, disparity and what leather is. And I'll give you one quick example. Like if you get a nice designer, Kenneth Cole belt nowadays mm-hmm. and you were to cut it in half, if you look in the middle, it's going to be cardboard. There's going to be no leather, but what they will do is they will take a little bit of fragments basically like, like sawdust equivalent yeah. and they'll sprinkle a little bit of that in there in the, and like the adhesive and they'll say it's made with real leather. Just like particle board, where exactly. it's just like dust and it's wood made compressed. With and, tr- and, and by the definition of the word, there is leather in there, so it's made with leather, but it's not made out of leather. They just want it to look and feel exactly. leather. And they don't need it to last, because nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares, they want something cheap, they want the brand name, they want to wear it a couple times, and that's it. That's how most things are made. <clears throat> so um, I really had to go deep into understanding the different types of leather and the quality. And then eventually I made a pair of flip-flops just for myself and they were okay. Like to, to nowadays they were trash, but at the time they were okay. Mm-hmm. And then one of my teammates, I do, I've do been doing jujitsu since the 90s, one of my teammates wanted um, a pair of flip-flops and I was like, yeah, let me this weekend if I get time. Mm. And then I made him a pair and we just hang out in the shop and we started joking around that we'll just call the company Toehold. And not, it wasn't a brand, it was just a joke, a, a hangout thing we did after practice, we'd go and we'd hang out in the garage. <clears throat> Pardon me. We would make flip flops. We just start calling a toehold as a joke. Yeah. And then a guy from another gym wanted a pair, and I was like, Nah, these aren't for you. You know, and these guys kept asking and asking. I just tell them no. no. You're being You're just being selective. Yeah, you're like, no. like no, these aren't. I'm not. We never did it. Like, dude, I got this idea. We can make tons of money. Yeah. It's never like you that. did it for yourself. Just for myself. Yeah. And even to this day, we still kind of keep that philosophy. If we get somebody who's like a dick, we'll be like, Fuck, no, you don't get one. You can't buy them. <laughs> I'll cancel their order. Like we denied. Don't want, we don't want customers like that. I know? like that selectiveness. So um, one is we put a lot of heart and soul into making these. Um, every pair is made by hand, you know, and mm. there's 550 steps that go into making one pair. They're, they're expensive, you know, mm. for what you people are used to. Now, for making flip-flops, they're for, for what they are, they're not expensive at all. Mm. But compared to the the contrast of what people are used to getting from China low-quality, toxic, just trash material, those are $10, $20, $50. So right. that's what they know as being flip-flops. If you want something that's made in America with 100% American-made products and made uh, by Americans, it costs $500. It mm. costs $1,000. It costs $1,500. That's yeah. what it costs. Yeah, boots from Fry are $500. And the moment you notice the difference and you understand what the difference in the product is, then suddenly you have something that's well worth it. Mm. But if you you just compare one to another, if you knew nothing about Rolex watches, Mm. and you've only been wearing like a swatch, like a $20 swatch watch, and I handed you a Rolex, you'd be like, oh, that looks cool, but you wouldn't really understand the intricacies and the detail and what goes into it to make that Mm. and the quality. So what we did is um, just being psychotically obsessed with what I do. We just kept looking for better and better and better materials. And what we do now is we buy a leather. um, There's only two tanneries in the United States left that make like leather, the, the old fashioned way. And there's really two types of leather. There's what's called vegetable tanned. And there's chrome tanned, mm. vegetable tan is the way leather's been made for thousands and thousands of years. And what it is is you get the hide, you soak it in this barrel or um, or you'd cut a big like um, like tub out of the ground out of stone. You'd soak it in this this mix of tree bark, roots, tannins, thing, natural natural stuff. And mm. what that would do is it would be a natural preservative to the leather. Mm takes a long time to make. The stuff we, the leather we get, it takes, it's in the process for like two months of soaking and then it's like a total of seven months to make a piece of leather. Before you can cut it. Bef- yeah, before it's finished. Yeah. That's just a tanning process. So extremely lengthy period. The contrary is what's called chrome tan leather. It takes a day to make. It's made with chromium. Mm-hmm. It's a quick process which preserves the leather. It's also extremely toxic. Mm. So much so that in the horse, like the equine industry with horses, um, they virtually only use vegetable tan because a Chrome tan will burn the hair on the horse. Oh, wow. It'll leave like a scar on the horse. And now if you get a 50 dollars pair of flip flops, or if you get like a wallet or a bag or even a gun holster, if you have a Chrome tanned gun holster, it'll tarnish your gun. It'll, it'll corrode the metal on it. That's how bad it is. Wow. But that's the How would you know the difference when looking at it? You wouldn't? I would, yeah. but a normal person, it'd be tough for them to tell. Where are those tanneries located at in the country? So there's one in um, St. Louis, and then the one we primarily use is in Pennsylvania, in Amish country. <clears throat> it's been there um, for 155 years. Wow. And they still do things the old fashioned way. And they wow. make very limited supply. And the thing is with these old tanneries, you could just, you can't call them up and be like, I want to buy something from you. You have to build a personal relationship with them. So in the very beginning we were poor. We had no money. I put all my money. So when we finally decided to turn this into a company, yeah, I quit my job and we just focus entirely on this. Yeah, And I was always making good money doing sales and things like that. I had worked for Apple. I was in senior leadership. We had the, we were doing like $100 million a year out of our store. You Mm -hmm. know, We had awards, we were in Forbes magazines, we were fucking crushing it. Where is this at? At Las Vegas. Oh wow, okay. Um, And then I decided, I did a couple odd jobs after that, like a couple consulting jobs after Apple, but then I started Toehold and I wanted to apply like that same level of service and quality that I learned at Apple Mm. into our products. And um, when you go to try to buy leather, one is you don't have the money, Two is you don't have the relationship to even buy it from these guys. They won't sell it to you because you won't know what to do with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You need to really do something special. So if you came along and you're like, I want to start a flip-flop company, you can make a flip-flop company. Mm. We didn't invent flip-flops, we're not protective of them. We actually encourage more people to start flip-flop companies so it becomes a bigger industry. Um, but a uh, bigger industry in America. Yeah. But after you build relationships with these guys, They respect what you do. They respect your value system in this place. They're all bow hunters. Mm. They're all bow hunters. Like the championship bow hunters are their championship marksmen. Um, so they love that we hunt, they love our messaging, love our products. And we get the pick of the litter on their Mm. best stuff. Mm. So we buy the best, the absolute best American leather in the world. So out of everything they produce, we, we buy the best of it. We bring it to our shop. We grade it and then out of a hide, we only take a small portion across the spine where it's the absolute strongest. Mm -hmm. The rest of it, we discard or we use it for key fobs and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we're only taking the best out of the best out of the best. So, and what happens with this vegetable tan leather, the reason why it's so important to use is it molds and shapes to your specific foot. Yeah. Where synthetics, what they do is they'll bind and they'll restructure your foot. So your foot's normally splayed out, where your toes are really wide mm-hmm. and they're spread out, sort of like your hand, how your hand is. Mm-hmm. But over the years, you start wearing shoes, and it starts pulling your toes closer to closer closer together, and it starts causing a lot of atrophy in your foot. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that I hate talking about is like foot health because it's dumb and it's fucking lame, <laughs> but it's but it's real. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what happens is we all have super weak feet nowadays and it's because of shoes and boots and things like that. Now there is a time where you need to wear boots. There is a time where shoes are beneficial, but to live in them, you're causing atrophy and here's the thought process behind it. If from your ankle up, if you were to injure yourself, if you broke your femur, you, you hurt your hand, Mm. the physical therapist is going to want movement, blood flow, circulation. They're gonna want you to move, get that extremity going with your feet. They want more more stagnant, more, um, So they're going to be like, let's put something more under your arch. Let's reshape how you stand. All those things are what fuck your feet up. All of those things. You should have zero arch support under your feet. Mm -hmm. And here's the reason why that arch is like an aesthetic thing on your foot. Mm -hmm. It's not something that needs to be supported. It makes no sense. No sense at all. The same, it makes as much sense is walking around with a neck brace on all the time, and when your neck starts to hurt because it's weak, a doctor comes along and says, hey, you know what, you need a better neck brace. Yeah, cast, a bigger, cast that neck. Yeah, more, less, <laughs> less mobility. So that's the thought process of what happens with the foot in a shoe. You basically are creating a hoof from the ankle down. That foot needs to bend and move and grab the earth and contort and shape and balance and do all those things it was designed to do. But Nike ruined all that when they created modern footwear. Mm-hmm. So before Nike, everything was made out of vegetable tan leather. Everything your grandparents wore, high quality um, dress shoes, cowboy boots, all the way back through history, all the way back to the Romans, even the Egyptians, they wore vegetable tan. Mm-hmm. It's shaped, But they wore it on everything. Your sword was holstered in vegetable tan, your shield had straps, even armor was made out of vegetable tan. Mm-hmm. It was a mainstay of our culture. Mm. But we've since phased that out because these big corporations, it's expensive to use, it's hard to get, you buy this big piece and we can only use a portion of it. Well, that's gonna take profits, profits, profits. So they don't do that. But what this stuff does is it molds and shapes to your specific foot. So regardless of how your foot is shaped, now the contrary, if you were to go to a mall and try on just a pair of shoes or flip-flops. You're gonna get something that already has an arch in it. And maybe there's like little pockets for your toes. Mm. Whose foot is that? It's not your foot. Yeah, Some dude in a factory in China decided that's the way your foot should be shaped. And that's what they're gonna do. Yeah. So foot health nowadays is extremely um, poor. And a guy that was on Rogan, a, a Henry Cejudo strength and conditioning coach had said, he's an Olympic coach, he said he works with the best athletes in the world. And universally what they all have is weak feet every single one of them really every single one of them that's the number one opportunity and weakness out of athletes across every field whether it be skiers fighters boxers uh, track and field because every one of them has their foot bound all the time yeah it's a good analogy
0: being bound because every single flip-flop i have my foot's 13 and my toes are long and i have a wide-ass foot. So I have huge feet. Every flip-flop in my size is made for a narrow mm-hmm. Japanese man. I don't know. Like I don't I don't know why. And it it doesn't fit right. I noticed with your flip-flops out the gate. I was like, "Oh, this is stiff." And then they can conf- they started molding to my feet. And I'm like, "Oh, now it's like that leather boot that you've been wearing for 20 years. It just fits perfect." And like I put them on and I feel comfortable because my feet have a home. Versus being contorted in one way or another, and I I can only it's the analogy for shoes, or the example for shoes is, it's like zero drop, right? I mean, there's my my shoes, my ultras are all zero drop because I don't want the incline or the the uh, high arch support. I want it, I want my foot to spall, right? I want to build that strength. And your flip flop is a zero drop flip flop. I mean, it's like we're not as natural as you could be and protecting you from all the shit that's on the ground. Hey guys, if you know Phil Crafts Survival, if you know Mike Force, if you know me, then you likely know about Montana Knife Company. Montana Knife Company was founded by a buddy of mine, Josh Smith, Master Bladesmith for 30 years. One of the most experienced knife makers in the country, and he's had no compromise in all the integrity because he's making all of his knives. He's made that decision early on, by the way, to make all of his knives made in the USA manufactured locally in his home state of Montana. Designed, tested, and built by hunters, Montana Knife Company is a hunting knife company first and foremost. Likely the sharpest knives in the market. I mean, you'd likely need a bleeding control kit if you're gonna own a Montana knife, and that's a good problem to have. They sell out instantaneously. But for the first time in the history of his company, because he's gotten ahead, he has stock of your favorite knives, including the Blackfoot 2.0, the Speedgoat, or the Stonewall Skinner. And you could save 10 percent by using MF10. That's Mike Foxtrot 10, MF10 for 10 percent off your first order at com.
1: The ideal way to walk would be barefoot. Yeah, but we can't do that. The ground's covered in glass and rocks, and it's not comfortable, and you know, yeah the next best thing is a pair of our flip-flops., yeah. because what you get is, at the very bottom, you get an American-made strip. A Vibram tread. Vibram is the world's best tread manufacturer. Mm. It's omnidirectional. It's non-slip. From there, you always have a thick strip of vegetable tan leather. Mm. And then from there you get a logo pattern design, whatever you want on there. Sometimes I believe with yours on top of them, there's a piece of exotic leather. Like I, uh, did you get yours from Andy's yes, wedding? wedding? Yeah. yeah. So those are blue Fancy. saltwater crocodile. We get elephant, hippo, ostrich. I mean, we got the most exotic leathers in the world. Yeah. We buy them directly from these tanneries, which are government controlled overseas. So the only thing we have that's not American made is the exotic leathers because we don't have elephants and hippos here. Yeah. So there'll be, let's say a situation like an elephant dies in Africa, Mm -hmm. in Zimbabwe. That's a popular region. And it could die for whatever reason. It could be poached. Mm -hmm. It could die of natural causes. They can hunt it. Um, or it could just be wounded in a fight and die. So what happen, what's, what's an often common scenario is the villagers will find the animal first and they'll start harvesting it. Mm. And they know that they're gonna get money for the hide. So what they'll do is they'll cut it in a way where they preserve it. A government um, official will come in and take the hide and they take the bones, because the bones have a lot of value to scientists and they use them in museums for like woolly mammoth exhibits mm-hmm. and things like that. That hide will go to a tannery, they'll tan it, and then they'll start pre-selling it. And one of our brokers that are around the world will say, hey, we got you know, we got 25 cubic uh, cubic yards or or, or or cubic meters of elephant coming in, You know, do, do we wanna bid on it? And I'll be like, yeah, I'd put $7,000 on it or put $4,000, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. If we win that, they get 100% of the money that goes directly back to park funding for anti-poaching, whatever they wanna yeah. use it for. Mostly anti-poaching. We take that hide, and then we deal with any flack we get from environmentalists, which I don't give a fuck about those guys. Yeah. Um, and then we sell it to our customers. Yeah. So they get 100% of their money up front, up front and that's the way a lot of those parks get their funding. Yeah. Everybody wants to preserve the animals and save the animals, but nobody writes a check, right? Yeah. We write a check every month and they're all big yeah. checks.
0: A conservation
1: like check. Exactly. This is going back to conservation. It's going back to breeding, to be able to manage the herd, and also, if these parks run out of money because it's Africa and nothing over there works well, those um, game wardens, they'll poach the animals themselves if they run out of money. Yeah. It's just nothing over there works well. Yeah. But this is one thing that helps sustain the survivability of some of those species. Crazy. Let's talk about the business side of, of this because I, I imagine
0: footwear, like most, you know, the, the, the burden I see in most markets is if you make it so good it's non-consumable because it lasts a lifetime and then that's a one and done kind of deal and when you look at flip-flops it, the history of me growing up in florida born in cali growing up in florida like i grew up in flip-flops and i'm also asian we we usually are are tethered to some kind of flip-flop and every single flip-flop i had had a shelf life and it was a season mm-hmm. before they would blow out you know they have a flat tire I throw them in the trash and they're, they're semi-disposable. <clears throat> when you have like a, a fried boot or an origin boot, they're so well-made, you're like, well, this is the boot, I'm wearing this. And um, I imagine that's not a problem, but a dilemma in business. When you look at all the elements of how do you need to make money? How big is the flip-flop business and, and how has it been as
1: a business through growth and evolving? So flip-flops are the number one worn footwear in the world, all throughout Asia, Uh. all throughout Africa, all throughout the Middle East, all throughout South America, throughout some of North America, and throughout some of Europe. So it's the number one footwear in the world. And in most of those countries, you could get a pair of flip-flops for like a dollar. They break, and they recently did a study on one of those shows, um, um, Business Insider, you know, Mm -hmm. big show. And the study showed that 25%, let this sink in, 25% of ocean plastics are made up of flip-flops. Plastic disposable flip-flops. And if you Google like flip-flops on a beach, Africa, flip-flops on the beach, India, or flip-flops on the beach, Asia, you're just gonna see Hundreds of thousands of them laying across the beach. Yeah, it's that real light foamy crap. Yep, with that real like shiny plastic. Exactly. Yeah, Um, the the toxic portion of them. I mean, that happens, but it's. we don't sell our products on that merit. You yeah, know? Of course. But you're, it, you're putting your foot on something and you're sweating and absorbing something that's extremely toxic. The stuff they use in that, pl- that plastic, that rubber, they're just, it's a hodgepodge of different stuff they find around their shop. Mm. There's no ethics to what, what, what they're using. Yeah. And then when they break, they wind, up, they wind up in the street and over there there's no landfills, they wind up in a river. The river is packed with trash, winds up in the ocean. So the market is gigantic. Mm. So It's everybody. Everybody, everybody's our potential customer. Now here's the thing, we created our own category. Nobody in the world makes a high quality flip-flop, nobody. The only person that makes something similar and it's not of the quality would be Louis Vuitton. They make a flip-flop every season for girls. I could break it with my pinkies. Yeah. It's $1,200. It looks really nice. It's a great piece of fashion. It's a great fashion item for chicks but it's not something that you can fight in. you could run in, you can take hunting. I hunt only in flip-flops. I hike up mountains only in flip-flops. Really? I step on cactuses with my flip-flops all the time. Yeah. We have a video of Brian Shaw, the world's strongest man trying to break a pair of our flip-flops and he can't do it. Really? Yeah, you haven't seen it. I'll oh, show you after. No, I gotta see it. Yeah. So what
0: well, is we add as a clip? What well, is a clip in
1: this? So thing. that guy picks up airplanes. He picks up cars. He's the strongest guy in the world. The thing is, the thong is made out of paracord and it's welded on both ends. And the way that we've interwove it through the flip flop, it's the it's the part that's the that has the most stress put on it in a situation where your foot's in the mud or in the water mm. or, or somebody steps on the back of your flip-flop, that's the that's the weakest point. Mm. Ours, it's the strongest point. It's 550 cord? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, it's 550 cord. Um, ours is actually a little bit strong. It's like 750 cord, but nobody knows what 750 cord is, so we just call it 550 cord. Yeah. It's really strong.
0: Yeah, paracord is, the, the tensile strength is in the strands mm-hmm. that are in the sleeve. Exactly. That create, you know, that displace all the energy.
1: I have videos of me sticking my foot up to my knee in mud and just ripping my foot out and the flip-flop's still there. That's crazy. Yeah, they're unbreakable. Because most, they're called thongs, right? Most thongs, they just are inserted through the sole and then it's like a cap, a plastic cap or something. Exactly. And you could just rip it through. That's how it blown out. Exactly. And then our straps, they're double-sided. So there's top grain. I could spend two hours talking about leather quality and all that type of stuff. But what we do is we take two strips of full grain leather. um, We bond them together. And then we use copper rivets to, to um, weld them inside of the flip flop. So any motion that your foot can make, sidestep, you roll your ankle, they're not gonna break. Not gonna break on you at all. You can walk down a hill with them and put all your body weight on the thong, they're not gonna break. Interesting. It's, being from San Diego, we'd walk down those steep, stiff, uh, steep bluffs like in Torrey Pines, La Jolla, Carlsbad, you could put all your body weight on them, they're not gonna break. That's crazy. When did you start this company? Seven years ago. So in
0: seven years, what's some of the challenges that you faced in evolving this business? Cause I imagine supply. I love the, this question. The logistics supply
1: chain is yeah. crazy. And then social media. So the, the most difficult thing, the supply chain things, that stuff happens, getting building relationships, all that sort of stuff. Even today, as we become, you know, well over a million dollar a year company, we get, more people interested in what we're doing, you know, mm. now we're able to buy the absolute best in the world. Um, and and side topic real quick, and don't let me forget. Um, so we just recently set the world record for the most expensive pair of leather flip-flops ever sold. Mm. We created a pair of flip-flops made out of this extremely rare, what's it's called a Himalayan crocodile. It's, it's a Nile crocodile that's a white crocodile with with a birthmark, if you will, that goes down laterally on it. Mm-hmm. And they, it looks like the peaks of the Himalayans. Now Hermes for all the f- fashion gurus that listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. Hermes um, is like one of the biggest fashion brands in the world. And they make a bag called the Birkin bag mm-hmm. that bag sells for half a million dollars. Only the ultra elite have it. Like that's a leather bag. It's a leather bag. It's made out of a Nile crocodile. Yeah. So it's the most expensive fashion item in the world that isn't a watch. So only like the Kim Kardashians, the Oprah Winfrey's, the Beckham's wife, whatever her name is, those guys, you have to be invited to buy it. So th- we have one of those, but we could only get one because we built relationships to be able to buy something like that. Wait, so you had access to the bag? We had access to the leather. Oh, to the leather, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we recently made a pair. We sold them for $5,000 and set a world record for the most expensive leather flip-flops ever sold. There's a pair out there that someone's asking $18,000 for, they're Chinese made, and they just have like an artist's sketch on them, and they're saying that they're 18 grand, and if somebody buys them, this money will go to blank. But nobody bought them. Somebody bought ours. And our customers, they bought them within 60 seconds of us talking about them. They bought them instantaneously. Our customers buy stuff Well, that's not a challenge. What's the challenge? You guys, what's the, what's your most difficult thing that you faced in this business so that that that's a great question so it's not the supply that stuff yeah. happens you know the most difficult thing we've had to do is ignore people's advice the most difficult thing interesting we're blessed to have some friends that are really famous yeah. and they know extremely wealthy people yeah multi multi millionaires And we had some of the most famous people on earth telling us what we're doing was wrong. We were were priced wrong. You gotta go overseas. You gotta lower the price. You gotta be $70 price point. We could get you in Target. We could get you in the Grammys. We could get you in the Beverly Hilton Hotel. We can do all these things. And to be so steadfast in the face of these ultra wealthy people with, with houses in Malibu and in Spain and in Australia, you know, opulent wealth to say, no, we're not gonna do that. Mm. That's the most difficult part. And only because my gut instinct have we been able to say no to all the right situations. Cause, Cause all just, the situations that would have been wrong for us.
0: Cause you guys, um, do you sell only direct to consumer? Yes. And that's for a lot of business like QU, like, like even us. I mean, we don't sell in retail. That is something very personal between the entrepreneur that started the business and how they build their business, right? Because there's a different metric for somebody who's potentially giving you advice. Hey, drop the price point, mass manufacture, and mass scale mm-hmm. in, in big box retail. Because that's a different model for business. It's not as intimate. Yeah, sure, it might bring in the money, but it's not an
1: actual small business. It's not an intimate business. The world is flooded with low quality flip-flops. Yeah. The world's flooded. We wanted so my goal when we when I started this was to simply make the best flip flop on the planet. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck if it costs seventy million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah, you know we're lucky we could keep it around four hundred dollars for our entry stuff, a thousand dollars for the exotic. And for a lot of people, we know that's outside of your price range.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We appreciate the support. Give us so even if you follow us on Instagram, that's all the support we ask for. You yeah. know, we know that not everybody can afford our product, but our goal wasn't to make it for everybody. Our motto is we're not for everybody, you know? So we wanna make the absolute best and we do everything we can to make it better. And every single week we're finding a step, a process, a material that incrementally gets better. We're now on generation 25. We've done 25 different versions. Constantly evolving. Every single one of them. And I hate every pair we ever make. Like none of them are ever good enough. There's always something better that we can do. Well, that's very interesting because a lot of people, when
0: you say it, it's not for everybody, a lot of people will spend excessive amounts of money on a pair of cowboy boots, for example. Mm-hmm. Like my cowboy boots, um, my Lacheese, Lachese, however you say, La Casey. Casey. out of Dallas, Texas, mm-hmm. are five hundred plus dollars. Yep, uh, my Fry boots, five hundred plus dollars. And so when you go to flip-flops, you're like, oh, but I only pay 10 Mm bucks for flip-flops. Exactly. Because the entire market is positioned for cheap crap. Exactly. And nobody's positioned it for like, oh, if I buy this pair of toe holds, I'm gonna have them forever like my fry boots. And they're just gonna be on the shelf and it's my go-to. Yeah.
1: And most of those boots are made over the border. They are. And they're brought back. Now, um, a little fun fact, we're getting into the cowboy boot industry. Oh really? Yeah, I'll be your first buyer. Thank you. Um, so, same thing to make the best boots in the world. And luckily, I have a friend who I th- I believe is the best bootmaker in the world. Mm. He makes only custom boots. So you go to a shop. He takes a mold of your foot, spends like two hours measuring your foot. Then he's going to make a wooden last, build it around. Really? So, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, I love that. It's crazy. When you come to Vegas, I'll take you. I'll take you to our shop, dude. My friend. What's his What's his name? Javier. What's his What's the company? Old Country. I think I... You do.
0: I messaged those guys. Yep. I was going to do like I a mini documentary. The, I, I sent you their link. You sent me the link to that. Yep. Yeah,
1: they're, that they're dude the,
0: does it legit. They're the best. I got chills. I don't in know why. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, they're the best in the world. Yeah, it's um, my favorite uh, cowboy hat uh, making place, which I found out later it, it doesn't do all the things they used to do. It's Rands out of Billings, Montana. Mm-hmm. And they do the same thing. They put the, the old equipment on your head. They measure everything. And then they do all the all the measurements, and it's a very arduous process, but then they outsource everything. But to get something that's made from a craftsman that's insourced, that takes, I don't care how long it takes. I'll be on the waiting list just a year. Yeah,
1: Let, I'll wait a year
0: for those boots. We're
1: switching culturally, because some of our customers are normal normal guys. They, yeah. they work in the oil fields, they're linemen, they're cops, huge amount of law enforcement and military. Just normal guys, right? Mm. We know they work hard for their money, and you know, we want to, and, and most importantly, we want to give them a product that's worth their money. Mm. We also have some customers that are super wealthy, they have all the money in the world, mm. you know, um, and they'll just simply say, Make me something. Yeah, they don't care what it is, just make them something. They want one offs, but this is the thing when you have money. Your options to buy things are, you wanna get your wife something, Mm -hmm. go buy her Louis Vuitton bag. I could buy my wife also a Louis Vuitton bag. I'm not married, but I could. Mm. I could buy a Ferrari, you could buy a Ferrari. We could all buy the same shit. Mm. With flip-flops, these are very specific, and each one is unique. We may only have a small piece of hide, like we had a piece of hide from a hippo that killed a villager in Zimbabwe. We were able to get that with story. the guy. Yeah, we got with a wow. guy that had that pulled the depredation tag to kill it. Yeah. I bought some of the hide off him, and we made some stuff out of it. We sold it to our customers. So there's people walking around with bags, with key fobs, with wallets and stuff that are made from a hippo that killed a human being. There's cool Damn. stuff like that. And That's awesome. If you're just a normal guy and everyone has the same shit, guess what? You have something unique. And that uniqueness has left the business world. Yeah, the so- stories, the connection between... Yeah, who makes your stuff? I don't know. Who works? Who's the owner of Lacasey? I don't know. Yeah. You know? Um, All those guys, people want to know who's making their stuff. People Mm want to know who's producing their stuff, who's cooking their food, who's making their car, who's doing anything. They want to know those people. They want those relationships. And most importantly, they want their values to align with them. Yeah, that's something that's very interesting about you guys because, you know, I
0: I grew up with Andy over the course of time watching – his affection for toehold and all the things you guys stand for. And you've taken a very clear and concise position in the market and it's very unconventional. I mean, it's guerrilla marketing for sure. And you've gone against the grain, almost nearly everything. And you you guys are very active in it. What's, what's the marketing strategy for you and what are some things that you've been faced with or challenged
1: with, or have you just kind of, Accepted the reality. So from the get go, our Instagram has just simply been me documenting my life. Yeah. That's it. There's yeah. no strategy. It's if I hang out with a hot chick, we take a video of that. Yeah. If I'm out shooting with my friends, we take a video of that. If mm. some of my UFC buddies are over and we're, Doing whatever the fuck we're doing we take a video of that yeah, very you know? organic very organic yeah um it's all shot on my iphone no professional cameras whatsoever really Although once in a while we will because one of my buddies who's a good photographer we'll be like hey let me shoot something yeah but it's all done with an iphone and remember i used to work for apple yeah. so i'm good with the phone yeah you know, i know those I, are good videos thank you yeah the yeah. camera's incredible um but to circle back real quick so One of the things we did was ignored everybody else and we created a separate category that doesn't exist and we're still growing that that category of something high quality, a high quality flip-flop brand doesn't exist. So when you spend $500 with our flip-flops, you're getting the best material made in America. When you buy a pair of those $500 or $1,000 Nikes that people see nowadays, those cost them four to $7 to make. There's no difference in material. Wow. They're all the same synthetics, just different colors. They're not using real anything. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real thing that happens with scarcity. People are willing to buy more, right? That's a real thing. Yeah, but real. there's no value increased in that product. Yeah. That, that still only cost them $4 to make, but they're selling it now for a thousand. Mm-hmm. Know? So a lot of them will purposely built in scare- scarcity yeah. simply to do that so we don't do any of that sort of stuff our items are naturally scarce because there's not a lot of elephant in the world that's that's high quality there's not a lot of stingray leather that's the size we want that's virtually perfect and needs to meet the grade of what our customers deserve and we got this firm belief that when you stamp that sacred badge that is made in america you have to absolutely believe and do everything in your power that that's worthy of that badge. Mm. That the American customer, um, even though we sell worldwide, that we still believe that if you put something out that says it's made in America and it's not the absolute best in the world, you're doing a disservice to everybody. Mm. Because that badge should, when somebody sees that Made in America badge, they should know that's the fucking best. Mm. It's the absolute best, there's no compromise. And the reason we don't need a compromise is because we've never taken a cent from everybody. We refuse investors, Mm. we refuse people trying to put money into our company, because as soon as you do, they're your boss. Yeah, We've had a few Saudi guys interested in what we're doing, no thanks, we have a few people um, celebrities interested? No, thanks. Mm. You know, yeah. we make plenty of money. We make a really nice living. But most importantly, the staff that we have, all of them are paid very well. Yeah. Very well. They started $30 an hour mm-hmm. to make flip flops. Mm. Dang. And what? most of them make double that. Where, are they, where is that? Where that? Where your Las foot Vegas? Made? Las, all Vegas. Yeah, everything's made in Vegas. Do you have a, is it all in house? Like you do all this stuff in house? We have a big three car garage at my house that we do everything at. Really? We could, we could get a shop. Wow. But there's no reason. It'd be the same size. Yeah. So the good thing is that if a customer messages us, and this is this is the the qual, the customer service portion that that I wanted to get into, a customer could message me at midnight and say, hey, "Ag, do you have anything in blue? I want to get something for my wife." I could take two steps off my couch, walk out to the shop, and send them a video of everything we have available. I used to do that in my house, I love it. Personal shopping. That's awesome, man. And then uh, along with that Made in America badge, there's also something that companies fail at a lot, and it's the customer service side of things, Mm. right? Every customer, every company that cares will always do the right thing after the fact. Mm. We don't wanna get to an after the fact situation. Mm. So when you message us, we firmly believe that your message should be answered in under an hour, the absolute max, absolute max. Um, This is through email or through phone? Any way you message us. yeah. You send us an email, most of the time when you email us, you'll get a response back within 60 seconds because it'll ping on my phone. It's the only uh, thing that pings on my phone is our work. It, it, it's the, you go to the website and you write the, you know, shoot us an email. Yeah. Most of the time customers think it's automated because it's so fast. Um, you message us on Christmas day, we'll respond within 60 seconds. Crazy. And here's why, because I know. That your kids, your wife, your friends, your boss, whoever it is, is opening up their package on Christmas Day, and they might have questions, right? Yeah. Or they got a brand new gift card and they're excited to use it. Yeah. They send us a message just asking, "Hey, what? What are my options? What do you have? Anything that's not on the website?" Mm. And right away, we're able to respond to them. You know. Yeah. And we crush it on fucking Christmas Day on sales, and nobody else does. Who the fuck is shopping on Christmas Day? Yeah. Our customers are because. We're available. yeah. And we always send this challenge out and we send a challenge out to our friends too to get better. Go to your favorite company and send them a message and set a timer and see how long it takes for them to respond. Yeah. Even our friends that have big companies, they don't do it. Yeah. I'll get you on Monday. Fuck that.
0: Yeah. Now, That's seven crazy. days a
1: week, 365 days a year. If we're advertising to you and you want to buy something from us, it's our obligation. It's, it's our duty to be there for you. I think I'm the perfect customer. I don't have kids, I don't have a wife, I have a shitload of disposable income. If you have a company and you're wanting to sell something, I'm your ideal guy. I'm gonna give you all the money and I'm gonna require zero pampering or customer service. Mm. You would not believe how many many companies lose my business simply because they don't respond. Yeah. So think about the end of the year, you make a million dollars, right? But then you don't respond, you have the potential to make a million dollars, but mm. you don't respond, now you're at 900,000. Mm. You didn't respond to this guy or that guy, now you're at 875. So true. You start working your way down, and pretty soon you're $150,000 a year company because you didn't realize all those interactions you lost by not responding. When a customer messages you, they want to purchase something immediately. Yeah, not they're later, ready to transact. Right then, Yeah, you know? So that's our other belief, is when you message us, shoot us, if you're listening to this, shoot us a DM on Instagram, at it's at, t o e underscore h o l d at toehold and watch how fast we respond to you really you might catch us a window from like midnight to four in the morning where it takes us a little while yeah um but you're sleeping (laughs) yeah (laughs) because i'm required to sleep (laughs) but we're always going to respond fast yeah so that's the other part of it is so many people focus on just the product Mm. so having a beautiful, world-class product, that's the price of admission to us, you know? Mm. That's not enough for us. You know, that, that's for most guys are like, dude, I have the best gun in the world, I make the best sword, I make the best whatever it is. That to us is the price of admission. That's yeah. just, you have a business, that's the bare minimum. Now everything else you do is the difference. Crazy. The customer interaction is the difference. The personalization, tons of people have my phone number. They can message me all the time. They yeah. wanna buy something, message me. Yeah, I I'm here see, for.
0: Every time I'm online, I see you
1: engaging and interoperating with people and partnering. You, got, you got to, it's the most important thing. Also, here's our other belief too, you put your best man forward. Mm. So when I was at Apple, um, we would have somebody that could call into the store level. We would take one of our best people, we'd move mm. them to the phones. And normally the person on the phone is somebody who like hurt their ankle playing pick a pickleball or something. You're like, all yeah. oh, right, your, your leg's broken, go answer phones, yeah. no. That first contact with our customers, that's where all the money is made. Mm. So when you message us, oftentimes you're going to reach me because I'm the best at it. Mm. You know, we have other guys in our team that are really good, but they're not better than me. Mm. So I'm the best. I'm going to do it. What the fuck are other CEOs doing? Yeah. I don't know. You're answering to your investors. Yeah. You're answering to your investors. You're looking at reports. Fuck that. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'll hire an $8 an hour guy to go look at the numbers, to go check our projections. I don't care about that interesting best man forward flip your company around do everything backwards is that what you did at apple when you ran that yes. store? yes we took that store from like 10 million dollars a year to almost 100 million dollars a year oh
0: my god very
1: because interesting. i knew we had customers coming in but we weren't getting the sales yeah and we weren't getting the sales at apple because a lot of those guys were foreigners and there was a language barrier mm. so what we did was i just sat on the floor and watched a little while watched the interactions and these guys were coming in; they had money they were influent they were influent people in their country mm. But what happens when you talk to American and you you have bad English? I'm sorry. I can't understand what you're saying. You're yeah. embarrassed. So we taught our staff how to greet people in some common languages and to say some common things that they might be interested in. Mm. So you're from Brazil, you might be the dad and you have a couple adult kids with you and you're coming in to buy 50 phones to take back to your employees and to your people. Mm-hmm. So we'd come in and we'd be like, hey, where are you from? And we'd be like, we're from Brazil. And we'd be like, uh, oi, como va você? Uh, oi, como vai você? iPhone 5, desbloqueado, 16 giga. And it'd be like, hey, how are you? We have iPhones are unlocked, 16 gigs. Wow. And what we did is we just showed a little bit of vulnerability, and then that person, they always know better English than you know, and then yeah. they start talking, now no one's embarrassed, Yeah, right? Now they just spent $37,000. And they were ready to transact when they came in, and exactly. that experience was what determined. But that awkward interaction that they wanted to avoid, well, was preventing that store from making so much money. And we mm-hmm. always put our best person forward. Always put your best guys in the front. You call the phone company, you're going to get some fucking dickhead up front. And then if you want to cancel, you'll get their best guys last. Yeah. Do it the opposite. That's put true. Put their best guys forward. They'll
0: scale you, scale you up to yeah. their best guy. You'll
1: get the Philippines first. And then if you keep complaining, eventually you'll get to somebody in America. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, not with us. Hey guys, this podcast
0: is brought to you by the U.S. Concealed Carry Association. You know we're big fans of survival when survival always depends on one question. How prepared are you? Just like we work to be prepared to survive any situation, the USCCA trains you to be prepared and feel confident as a gun hunter, especially if you ever need to use it in self-defense. I've been a member for over three years because not only do I get access to their online protector academy where I can learn from experts on critical aspects of survival such as how to shoot accurately under pressure and how to prepare for family and home defense planning, but I also get self-defense liability insurance in case I'm ever involved in a dangerous incident. There's a reason 800,000 American gun owners like myself trust them. So check them out at uscca.com forward slash FCS to claim your risk-free benefits right now, as well as a free gift when you sign up. That's uscca.com forward slash FCS. Thanks, guys. Um, how do you guys, how do you evolve as a business from here? Because there's, there's a line in the sand for you personally of things that you won't compromise on. And so like big box retail would be really hard to do, right? I mean, that's, I mean. No, really, not for me. I ran the,
1: so our team at Apple, we were the kings of retail, the global kings of retail. Nobody does it better than Apple. So our store would make like uh, $7,300 per square foot. The next biggest person Tiffany's would be like 2,800. Nobody compares to us. Yeah. so. If we wanted to do retail, there's not a better person, besides maybe some of my colleagues from Apple, that can do it. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna do retail. We might do something cool what you guys have, and, yeah. and this place is incredible, yeah. um, where you guys have like a retail thing up front, but people are coming here, you're, you're manufacturing your product right here. Yeah, you yeah. know, you got the shoot house, all that stuff. This place is great. Yeah, thank you. Um, we might do something like this, where could come Very in and buy boutique. stuff, exactly. Yeah. But we would never do a booth, at, a, at an event, we would never do um, a store, anything like that. Mm. We manufacture high quality stuff, and we send it to our customers, and that's it. Yeah,
0: e-commerce space
1: is, is what you prefer. All online, we ship around the world. Yeah, You know, it's very limited stuff. It's very limited stuff, it's high quality. Um, and then we we deal with some flack, but I don't give a shit about that. Yeah. Like what? What's the flack that you uh, People to? get mad that our flip-flops are expensive. Um, we get environmentalists messaging us. We get fucking libtards messaging us. Really? All that, all that sort of stuff. Yeah.
0: Like it, I, I never understood the expense thing. It's like you're you're shopping on my website and it's expensive mm-hmm. and you don't like it then you could just like
1: people get mad that they can't afford things and yeah. we wish everybody could afford things, but yeah. I wouldn't go and message Ferrari and get mad at them that I can't afford their car. Yeah. I'd be like, that car's sick. I want to work hard to be able to buy one. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's that mindset that the world needs losers. Right? It is. It's sad. There the it must needs... be nice crew. We call yeah. Them. It must be yeah. nice crew. Guys like that, they're not, they can't not buy something because they can't afford it. They can't not buy something because that mindset puts them in the situation that they're in. Interesting, yeah. It's that, it's that away from motivation mindset where they're constantly, or they're always down and out, or they're always someone's, I don't give, you could throw, we don't have time, but if we talked about my background, I got arrested, thrown in jail mm-hmm. for something I didn't do, did tons of did two years in a supermax facility. Oh wow. Finished I've only finished seventh grade. I got no GED, no formal education whatsoever. Wow. Now my they've since fixed the record. I have no record at all. You yeah. know, nothing like that. Um but like I got all the excuses. I grew up poor. All the guys doing fucking uh, um, cold punches nowadays. I was like, that was every day we showered as a kid. We didn't have hot hot water, we were poor as <laughs> shit. You know I mean? My grandma would go to like the f- soup kitchens and get food and stuff like that. She just make big bowls of oatmeal and stuff. Like we grew up super poor, Yeah, you know? You grew up in Vegas as well? Uh, San Diego. San Diego, okay. Like just in the sticks in San Diego. Yeah. Um, but, and in a real violent neighborhood. So, I have every excuse to be that guy, but like that to me doesn't even cross my fucking mind. Mm. You know, what I mean, none of that stuff crosses my mind. None of that. Whatever life we're living in America, no matter how bad it is, there's somebody in another country dreaming about the life you're complaining of about. One hundred percent. I'm so blessed. So, I'm blessed. so blessed. Yeah, you
0: you you said you're going to do boots. Do you have any plans? Well, when are you going to do boots, and how does that kind of roll out? And then, do you have any other other things planned in the leather uh, sphere? Do you guys do anything else besides?
1: Yeah. So we, um, so the boots are currently be- being manufactured right now. You could pre-order them. Really, right now, right now. Okay. I'll so do that they're going to be two thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, they're going to be the, the first pair is going to be solid. Javier is make he's we're partnered on them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're doing it together. Huge. Um, so the quality is there, you yeah. know. And then what we're going to do is. The toe box, the square toe only, wide. Yep. It's going to be black pebbled American bison. Oh, that's yeah. dope. Nobody does that. Nobody does Nobody that. Nobody does that. That's badass. I don't want to say that they're snake proof, but they're pretty fucking snake proof. <laughs> that's badass. Yeah. And it's square-toed. Square-toed, That's the yeah. boots Because wear. our yeah. customers all, as they wear flip-flops, their toes start to spread. Yeah. So you can't put them in a narrow toe. Yeah. Gotta be big, white toe boxes. And just don't wear pointy cowboy boots, guys.
0: Just don't yeah, do that. Yeah, don't do it. Okay. So
1: I only wear flip-flops. Yeah. I have to wear shoes when I'm lifting weights at my gym because for some reason they think that a 45-pound weight, a, a, a cloth over my toes is gonna protect them. Yeah. When I wear shoes, I get unstable. Like I feel like I'm on roller skates. Yeah, yeah. My ankles roll side to side. Um, so I only wear flip flops. And if I go out to someplace nice, I'll wear cowboy boots. Yeah those are the two things I wear. Same. And I I
0: I wear the ultras that I'm wearing now because it has a huge I mean, I can spall my feet like toe box play. Yeah. The toe box is wide. My all my cowboy boots are wide. I think the, the, the shoes
1: I wear are ultras also. Are they? They're a running shoe, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah, are- they're the best. I mean the I, these are brand new, which is why I'm gonna pull them off. And like the ability for yep, how that's wide the same I have that imbo- is, I have that with emblem. zero drop. It's yeah. like that's the best, uh, at least shoe that I've
1: ever worn for trail running and stuff, which I don't trail run anymore. But so we throw that challenge out. Message your favorite company. Reach out to them. See how long they take to respond. I think what? we should do that. I do think it with everybody. That would be a cool challenge. I do it to all my friends. So I'll be like, message my boys at Black Raffle Coffee. Message my boys over this company. Yeah. Message my boys over here. See how long it
0: takes. We need to take a note to to make sure we. Uh, <laughs> we get on that. I know, so our, our the customer service strategy we have is retail. Our retail guys and gals do it all because they interact with the product so mm-hmm. much and they're active constantly. And so if a customer service email comes in during business hours, they're the first on it. And that's after years of lessons learned of fucking it up because we we would get stuff and I'm like, dude, this is like three months old. This dude's asking for a new bag because his bag ripped and and if somebody DMs me same deal any errors I don't care I don't care if your shit got stolen out of a vehicle mm-hmm. we we'll, we're going to send you new shit I mean I I just can't stand that part of business where yeah. people have bad customer service we're the
1: same way we have no warranty on our stuff whatsoever because we don't need one yeah we're going to make the decision so um, when you start putting warranties and stuff like that out there, people start to nitpick, them, and that's not the way we work. So you get a pair of flip flops. What's going to happen is you get a pair of flip flops are brand new. You're excited. You wear them. It takes a couple days to break in. If you have a dog, your dog's probably going to try to eat them because mm. they're real leather and your dog's never seen anything you've owned with real leather before your dog will chew the straps up and you're like, "Fuck, dude, I just bought these are a thousand bucks or my wife got them. The dog chewed them mm. up. How much did it cost to fix them? And I'll tell you, Send them back. Let me take a look at them. I don't know if we could do anything for you, but let me take a look. Send them back. We're going to fix them, send them new straps and shoot them back. We're not going to tell them that. We're not going to write that down on our website, but we're going to surprise and delight our customers every time. Oh, I love that, man. Every time. I love that. Um, Give me your
0: favorite thing about Toll Hold and your business experience
1: and then the worst thing about it. So there's a lot of favorites, but one thing that I like particularly, well, one is we get to meet the coolest people in the world. You know, the, we meet so many cool people, yeah. so many interesting people. And I always find it remarkable when somebody orders something and I just click, our website is super advanced. I just click Google maps and I see where they live and they're like, holy shit, you're in the outback of Australia, you're in Perth, you're in Paraguay, you're in like uh, Patagonia, like the places people oh, order right. our stuff from is crazy. It's awesome. Um, So meeting the customers is cool. But the thing to me that's the coolest is that we've built something that our staff can work at and be completely isolated from all the modern bullshit, all Mm the HR department, all the politically correct shit, all that type of stuff that nobody wants to work in. They're insulated from all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Nobody can ever do anything to them. Because they're our employees. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's a fun. They're environment, always going to get paid well. Yeah, they're always going to have fun. Our reward system is we take our guys out hunting. We buy them guns like as bonuses. <laughs> yeah, one of our guys just got like a four thousand um, dollar HK AR fifteen. Badass. So that's what we do. A yeah. lot of guys want to come work for us, but you can't. We'll look for you. Don't yeah. look for us. Yeah. You know, we're so looking rad. for something very specific in our in our team, and because we have hot chicks around all the time, yeah. we got to have people that could just be not distracted by having gigantic tits in their face yeah. and to still be able to work. It's almost like working in a strip club, yeah. you know, and the girls aren't there all the time, but when we're doing photo shoots and stuff, it can't distract from the quality that you have to produce for the customer. Yeah. So um, all the guys we, we, Uh, we have working for us they're either jujitsu guys or uh, uh, MMA fighters every single one of them really so they're doing their MMA career and working full-time being able to make money because most of those guys don't make shit for money it's hard and when they decide that MMA is not for them because MMA is not a career it's an opportunity yeah you know you have an opportunity to be famous. You have opportunity to make some money, but you're not going to fight forever. Yeah, you know. And even if you're really, really good at it, it's not going to be lifelong money. Yeah. So you could build a career with us and still follow your dreams. We had a guy just got done finished fighting, and he was had to do weight cuts, and he had to do he was um, he had to do medicals, and he was just down and out from like cutting weight for the fight. Accommodate all that stuff. Wow. Fully accommodate. So that part's cool. Um, and then I don't know if there's a worse part. I think. Or maybe a challenging part. Yeah, I, I think for me this is easy, but I think for another person it would be hard is back to what I was saying, trusting your gut instinct, mm. you know? And having so many people telling you no, you shouldn't do this. Because mm. most guys would cave in. They'd yeah. be like, you know, well that guy's super successful, that guy has a house in Malibu. Like what do I know? I don't have shit, like I should listen to that guy. Mm. We would be unheard of no one would know who we were if we listened to the people that gave us advice. And here's another fact too, or here, here's another point. Those guys, and this is for everyone who's, who's listening to this, that is taking business advice from people. There's some guys that are good at business, but most guys are wholesalers. They don't make anything. You, know? you have a t-shirt company, you bring in a shirt from China, you resell it, you make some money, and you ship that out. You don't make anything. Most guys do that. And they make a shitload of money doing that. We did something that none of those fucking guys can do. Mm. We made a brand and we made it cool. Yeah, they can't do that. Yeah, from you, zero to one, you can't make a brand cool unless you're cool. Yeah. you know, yeah. no one's excited about you know a lot of the stuff they buy. You know, but with our brand, it's super cool. People like it. They like what we do. They like what we stand for. And we never, ever, ever have to compromise. I love that, man. It's a perfect way to close it out. Where can people get a pair of toe holds at? So you could go to our website, but what we really suggest, follow us on Instagram. That's really our hub. Now, if you go to Instagram, type in TOE underscore H-O-L-D, and oftentimes you're not gonna find us because we've been shadow banned. <laughs> So click on like, uh, click on Mike <laughs> Glover's page. He follows us, Andy Stump. Yeah. Um, and just find somebody who follows us. It's a big green palm tree. Um, it's a great logo, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and by go- the reason you wanna go there is we have so much limited stuff that you're gonna see in our stories. We're gonna make a one-off, two-off, three-off wallet. You're gonna see it in our stories. You could buy them right from us there. They'll mm. never hit our website. Mm. You know, There's a lot of stuff that never hits our website. So Instagram's really the hub. And then if you wanna check out our website, it's shop. Toehold.com. Shoptoehold.com. Yep. Yeah. Love it, man. Appreciate it. Shoot you. me a message. Tell uh send a message to say you heard us, you you heard us on this podcast. Um, and then watch how fast we respond to you. That's awesome. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming. Thank you on. for having me.